Here we go, my AKA Patters. Varsity Blues, one of the greatest football movies of all time. It's also one of the films I'm most thankful for. We're going to get into when I first saw this movie in the theater, what has happened with me since I saw it, all of the years that passed through, what this movie actually means, and why this movie is somewhat depressing every time I watch it. Let's go. Action! And we're back, my AKA Patrick. We're back after potentially walking pneumonia or another round of COVID. People, I got this level of congestion. And, and if you follow me on YouTube, you, you've seen, you've heard some of this. Talking has been very tough for almost two weeks now. But people, we are here, aka Pad the Film Buff Podcast, episode 200, sorry, 618, what am I talking about? The films I'm thankful for, Varsity Blues, near masterpiece, 1999, 1999, we just gotta put this, uh, on record, one of the most diverse years of what we uh, would call old Hollywood. 1999, every single studio, and in this case, new studio, new collaboration, people swung for the fences. They tried. They, the bean counters, and they're not really bean counters because we will also get into that. But the people running the studios swung for the fences and took chances. MTV, Telecom, MTV. This was one of their early movies in collaboration distribution partner paramount the two biggest rises or like we'll just say three the three biggest rises in this time just when it comes to what we were getting in the theaters it was mtv dreamworks and pixar varsity blues comes in with this idea i'm going to show you a place in america i'm going to show you a time I'm going to show you something happening right now that you're not aware of. That was my initial reaction to this movie. I was just fascinated with the way of life. Very similar to what I, and we spoke about this, with Fast and Furious. I was so into this world. Because you can see where, like, you can see the, the true parts of it. But I was just so into that this world did exist and these people were that into car racing that it really was their life. It, it, it's a true definition of a lifestyle. At the time of Our City Blues 1999, I saw the movie with my buddy John. John has been on this podcast. And we loved the college parties. We loved the girls. Uh, Amy Smart, I believe, is from... 20 minutes over the bridge in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I believe it's Amy Smart. I might might be a little bit wrong with that. But then we also have Scott Kahn and James Vanderbeek. Scott Kahn later became a network darling, Hawaii Five-O. He is always on network television. And James Vanderbeek, uh, absolute heartthrob, uh, hell of a smile, beautiful eyes, right? But he was Varsity Blues and he was Dawson's Creek. And we kind of got this rise of edgy, not so much like Larry Clark's kids, but not so much like Nickelodeon teenage drama, teenage uh, 
melodrama, stories. Uh, the teenagers were growing up in entertainment. That's what I'm trying to get. So Varsity Blues is a part of this vein that really does bleed into Dawson's Creek or from Dawson's Creek. But namely, uh, what I'm getting at for this is the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The teens having high stakes, the teens being intelligent enough to to talk and compete and share information with adults. A lot of entertainment up until this point uh, played down to teenagers. Varsity Blues puts everything front and center and it gives us mythic, giant, godlike ideas. Gives us a great villain with John Voight as the head coach. And the overall story is, these are our days. We're in the last five games of their football season. Senior year, these kids are moving on. But these are our days. Built from the ground up by our parents. The movie has a, a, a incredible narration by James Vanderbeek or Mox. And during this narration... We fade into the movie, but before we do, we see our four main characters. Pee Wee Football, shot from behind. We see the names, we see the names on the back of the jerseys, but they're just kids or children. They're Pee Wee Football players. And therein is the path to the loss of innocence. James Vanderbeek dreams to get away from football, but he can't because our star quarterback is injured. And now we have a dichotomy of ideology. James Vanderbeek's way versus what his father wants versus the head coach. And it's a parable. This is a battle of self-discovery. This is no different than Rollerball with James Kahn that stars Scott Kahn's father. And along the way, we have teenagers driven by sex, driven by drugs, driven by partying, we have teenagers essentially acting like adults. Uh, so many of these scenes would be echoed in any given Sunday. You could replace this movie with all adults and you, you get something as mythic as any given Sunday. Which I still and will always consider the greatest football movie of all time. So when I first watched this movie, it, it I just remember feeling this rush i loved the music i loved the way that the night uh the night football scenes were shot I, there was a um, you know like moments that uh, sports wise especially football sports wise on camera that we didn't quite see there goes my hero the foo, foo fighters uh we perfectly rolled into slow motion it felt natural the oop-de-oop display that we set up earlier in the movie pays off at the end. And and when we finally get to run the oop-de-oop, uh, it, it, everything goes silent. And we just hear horns because, again, the gla gladiators are coming. The gladiators are marching. Uh, uh, making these kids into strong adults into adults that deal with adversity on the field, that are in the moment, that power through and do amazing things. Not just for the crowd, not just for the people in attendance, but for themselves. And and I don't know, AKA Powder, so there's few movies 
that I, I just can put on and I just get into it. I start smiling. I look for nuance. The the characters, Scott Kahn in this movie as as Tweedle or right? It's it's Twiddle, it's Tweeter. Oh, I think it's Tweeter. Uh, that's his last name. He is, uh, hold on, where is it here? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Tweeter. Charlie Tweeter. A wild, cocky, hard-playing wide receiver. And being an adult looking back at this movie, you see this, you see a lot of your life in these characters, a lot of your life at the time with these characters, a lot of your friends. Uh, I just had this long conversation with a buddy of mine a week ago who called me, you know, randomly to talk about things. And I got a sense of that with him. I got a sense that the, the ship has sailed, your mind's mush, uh, you, I'm sorry, I wish I could have helped you, I wish we could have been roommates to fight through some of this stuff, but, um, you know, you staying away from me, you staying uh, away from my gaze, because of it, you are, uh, you know, like, you lost your way. Uh, this is common, uh, we, we feel this in children, we feel this in individuals that we are close with, and that's a lot of this movie. We can extrapolate the lives that these kids have had since the movie like in movie time project 20 project 30 years in the future where is bud kilmer the head coach where's mox where's lance harbour paul walker the injured star quarterback where's scott Kahn? billy bob it goes on and on and that's where the true interest comes in because as an adult that experienced this movie because we were the target audience for this movie looking back it, you get sad because it also echoes some of their careers James Vanderbeek as amazing as he was at this time never carried on into Hollywood further Paul Walker tragic ending John Voight the comeback kid. He came back multiple times. Uh, later to also come back everyone uh, in Transformers 2007. Scott Kahn. Yeah. Yeah. Reigned with his father but never quite became the impactful actor of his father. There's hubris in the very idea that this is a young Hollywood movie positioned to be a adult football masterpiece. And uh, it is a masterpiece. The advertising, I love the initial poster for this movie. Now, we, we've got this, like, in-your-face Walmart DVD um, DVD box where, you know, we get a, a nice shot of all of our uh, protagonists. Everyone, all the billing in the movie, nice shot, right? But then we get this pickup truck, this original poster, pickup truck, tweeter, cowboy hat wife beater shirt jeans cowboy boots on the hood of the pickup truck blue pickup truck by the way the rest of the team some of the girls they're in the flatbed of the pickup truck well, this is our life this is our way of life this is our lifestyle this poster screams that it, this is one of the most perfect posters to send the idea that we're not just watching a teen sports movie we're watching an adult drama 
just because there's kids in this movie playing kids does not mean this is not one of the best sports dramas we have. We also have some wildness. We get people puking in dishwashers. We get the your attractive sex ed teacher actually being a stripper. You know, we, 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 we have silly siblings and all of these things. But along the way, we're watching the movie. We want pops. We want laughter. We want to be entertained. So we get those heights and just silliness. But then we were echoed by the heights of the drama. There's no scene in this movie where you don't know your place as an audience member. There's no scene in this movie where you don't know the stakes surrounding this movie. And therein lies why it's a masterpiece. Now, let's get into Bean Counters. We made that Bean Counter comment earlier. Brian Robbins. This is our director. He's 59 years old now. So, he has a filmography. The latest movie he directed was 2012. He's somewhat of a uh, company guy. But he's got, like, sports movies behind him. 1997, probably his greatest movie. Good Burger. Good Burger. Uh, two years after that, Varsity Blues. One year after that, uh, of the much underrated, much loved Ready to Rumble. Also with Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn and David Arquette. 2001, the absolutely underrated Keanu Reeves, Hardball. Then we get Perfect Score, underrated movie. Shaggy Dog, underrated movie. And it goes on and on. Norbit, people love that time that Eddie Murphy's time because he, he did put out a couple bad but but Norbert for Eddie Murphy and it's not just Nutty Professor uh Goldfinger Norbert and Goldfinger two underrated Murphy comedies at this time then we could meet Dave another uh Eddie Murphy uh you know haven't seen it not much uh <laughs> not too not too well motivated to see it but then he goes on ceo nickelodeon ceo of paramount he becomes bean counter of the bean counters and it goes through this is evidence that hollywood is institutionalized is promoted from within most of our filmmakers writers producers do run the very studios uh, that produce the movies that they put out uh, this is just the way it works because you do have to know the business. It's an advantage if you know the business. And there's sure there's departments and sides of the Hollywood business because these companies are giant, vast, and beautiful that don't really require people who are uh, expert filmmakers or filmmakers uh, or creatives. Period. Sometimes you you you're an analyst and you just have to analyze and moving on. So. But it's a great example. Brian Robbins is a great example of the guy that, that proved his worth and got rewarded for it. And, you know, probably along the way, good go-getter, kept his nose clean, uh, and made studios money. What happened with MTV Films at this point, uh, so the notable for MTV Films would be Joe's Apartment. Uh, for on the Nickelodeon side, and Nickelodeon was intertwined with MTV. So, Good Burger might be rebranded as Nickelodeon, but it may may have been MTV upon initial release. I would have to double check that. But this is a storied, fantastic career. You go through his accolades, you go through his credits. the The guy, the guy's done everything regarding film, acting, uh, TV, film, direction. He does it all. Producer. 
producer only, executive producer only, all that great stuff, guys. So the idea that the bean counters are destroying Hollywood, not really. Uh, we have this movie to, to thank for one of them. And I am. I, I literally just watched this movie on Sunday. I like waking up on early on Sundays. Uh, if I'm not putting on some type of cartoon to gear up to do a morning live stream, I put on any given Sunday or Varsity Blues because football's uh, Sunday is for football. Sunday is for church, right? But James Vanderbeek, uh, I will forever be fascinated by his young career. I will always uh, root for him for some type of comeback. Uh, I believe Billy Bob in this movie has had a tragic end. I would have to verify that. I believe he became victim of suicide after transforming his body. But I would really... I, I, there, there's a side of me that just wants a Varsity Blues sequel. I, I just think it's perfect. I think it would fit perfectly. With all of that said, my AKA Powders, I am so thankful for this movie. I'm thankful for John, who saw this movie with me back in the day. And anyone, my buddy Mark, anyone along the way that sees this movie, that loves it as much as me, that, that I don't have to explain it to him. I'm grateful for you. I am grateful for this movie and allowing me to make those connections. It's deeply meaningful. Uh, you know, I get choked up. I get choked up whenever I think about uh, the time, uh, the place I was in when I saw our city blues. AKA Tag here, the film buff okay, podcast. We got a, a busy week. We're still recovering, but let's go.